Support comes from Clipper Vacations, offering getaways on the Clipper Fast Ferry to Victoria, B.C. Clipper Ferry and hotel packages from $250 per person. Enjoy historic charm, afternoon tea, and more. Terms and conditions apply. Details and booking at clippervacations.com. Support comes from Pacific Science Center, working to inspire the next generation of scientists and increase access to STEM education statewide through digital discovery workshops, science on wheels, and summer camps. More ways to support these efforts at PACSci.org. Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Friday. This is Seattle Now. This week, the region is recovering from a weekend of below-freezing temperatures. Delays on the light rail are creating chaos for everyone's commute. And a local artist made a touching but kind of gross tribute to fired Seahawks coach Pete Carroll. KUOW reporter and anchor Paige Browning and author Jody Ann Bury are here to break down the week. But first, let's get you caught up. Former President Donald Trump can remain on the presidential primary ballot here in Washington. A Thurston County judge threw out a legal challenge yesterday. Superior Court Judge Mary Sue Wilson said the Secretary of State acted consistent with his duties and that state law says a challenge must be filed within two days of the candidate list being finalized. The Secretary of State's office is clear now to begin printing ballots for the primary election on March 12th. Some Washington lawmakers want to make Lunar New Year a state-recognized holiday. An effort by legislators to make it a paid holiday last year failed. This new bill advises government agencies and educational and cultural organizations to celebrate Lunar New Year. Lawmakers hope it helps combat Asian hate. The legislature doesn't wrap up in time for this year's Lunar New Year celebration, which starts February 10th. So if it passes, the holiday would be official starting next year. And good news for fans of the 12-egg omelet. Beth's Cafe is under new ownership. They're going to be open later into the night. Axios Seattle reports the new owner wants to return the spot to its full glory after the pandemic forced the previous ownership to cut late-night hours. Stay tuned for the exact schedule, which is coming out soon. The new owner says they'll be expanding their menu options, but honestly, can you do better than a 12-egg omelet? It's Friday again. Hope you've got a fun weekend coming up. Paige Browning is here. She's a reporter and anchor at KUOW. Great to have you, Paige. Hello, Trish. Jody Ann Bury is here, too. She's an author and speaker. Good to see you, Jody Ann. Great to see you, Trish. And I'm super excited. You're with us next Friday, January 26th at Fremont Abbey for our Seattle Now Live event, The Future of Work. Very excited to have you for that. We'll drop a link in the show notes. Okay, before we get started, you two, last week we talked about Seahawks coach Pete Carroll being fired from his longtime post, and people are channeling their grief about this, you two, in very interesting ways. One example, someone paid tribute to Pete Carroll over the past week by making his face out of chewed gum and putting it on the Pike Place gum wall in Seahawks colors, of course, because we got to stay accurate In an Instagram post, artist Rudy Willingham says he chewed 200 pieces of gum to create the image. I want to know what kind of gum that Seahawks blue was made out of because I can't think of it. Anyway, here's the big question. Is it gross or is it touching? I think it's both. 
It is gross <laughs> and touching, touching in an emotional sense. Mm. Also <laughs> touching as in also touching, touching gum and <laughs> other people's gums. <laughs> there was a comment that was like, you're using the same hand to place the gum that you're using to eat the gum that you're using to place the gum. <laughs> There's a lot of touching. I don't want to think about that too deeply. Oh, wow. All right. Well, maybe a better question is if you were to be memorialized using any food material, what would you want it to be? Oh, wow. Okay, well, okay. First, I just have to say this gum depiction of Pete Carroll is very good. Oh, yes. Like, I mean, this person is an artiste. It's very good. But I think that I would pick shaved ice mm. because you can actually do a lot with ice and snow. Um, <laughs> it would have to like stay in a in a freezer and got a, a frosty problem back of KUOW or something. Yeah. But I'm picking shaved ice. I'm a winter girl. Okay. All right. Jody Ann, what's your food memorial of choice? Oh, I'm completely opposite. I'm going to go for Jamaican beef patties. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) I have to see this. Oh, my God. (laughs) I would love, love to see that. And it's spiced, right? I mean, come on now. Of course. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm having a hard time deciding for myself if it would be pizza or cheeseburgers so we'll let the public decide when i pass how i'm memorialized through food (laughs) anyway silly start to the show honestly a really tough week the big story was the dangerous cold we went through it really brought me back to my time in new england it was frosty out there even though we're back to the usual cold rain and temperatures above freezing the effects of the sub-freezing weekend are all over the region how did you deal with it, Jody? And what did you do last weekend to combat the cold? I stayed at home mm-hmm. as much as I can. Um, I do have a dog, so I put mm-hmm. on many, many layers. I put him in many, many layers. I don't know if he was bothered at all, but um, just to keep us both safe. And I just I tried to stay home as much as I could. I did go snowboarding. Um, Yeah, so super excited to finally make it up to Stevens Pass, first day of the season. Um, I went right after they had that big storm and had to close a little bit. But I will say getting off the mountain was probably the scariest driving experience I've ever had in my entire life. It was a complete whiteout and they closed US2 right behind me. So it was, it was, it was terrifying wow you really that just is... barely made it out of there then if they shut it down behind you jody Ann. i mean i i can picture just that drive probably gripping the steering wheel your cortisol levels are through the roof through the roof and i will tell you this i have not been to church in like 20 years <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> when that white sheet completely covered my car and i i don't mean visibility was low I mean, I could not see anything. And I yelled out, Jesus, take the wheel. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Jody, and I call myself a cardiac Catholic. And I think that that is pretty much the closest experience to what it means to be a cardiac Catholic. (laughs) I was like, and I was like, no, I mean that literally like take this wheel. wheel. I have no idea what to do and thankfully this pickup truck came out of nowhere came around me 
and I just followed the lights. Oh, Oh my gosh, my Jodianne. gosh. I could see nothing but, like, just the faint red of the light, of the brake lights, for maybe 30, 40 minutes. Oh, Yeah. my God. Oh, you must have been exhausted when you got home. Exhausted. It, Wow. it honestly was terrifying, Ooh. and it, it made me realize, what if there was an avalanche? What if I had to pull over? Like, what do I have? Like, what survival skills do I have? Because this is not the moment where you... Google to figure out what to do. And so I'm, I haven't been up since. And um, I'm really like been in my survival kit mode of like, what do I need? Certainly drives at home, Jody Ann. Certainly drives at home. And you know, Washington State Department of Transportation was asking people to consider all those things, right, before they set out to do anything during this cold snap and these storms. Paige, how did you deal So I am a winter sports girl. Um, I went to probably the coldest place I could have this weekend. I'd long had a trip planned to the Ma'au Valley, to Mazama. When we arrived, it was negative 20 degrees. That's not with the wind chill. Negative 20. We we also sort of like white knuckle drove the way there. Um, and I skied for the first time in negative temperatures. Wow. I love being outside in the winter. I love to be in the snow and ice. Um, but it is very scary. The only way that I'm even able to do this is because I am extremely privileged. I know that I can go back to a home that's warm, that I have a vehicle right there that's warm. I have tons of clothes. I have hand warmers. I have food. You know, it's it's a privilege to be able to go do something as scary as drive through the passes and go into negative 20 degree temps. Um, but that's what I did. You know, I'm impressed with both of you because not only did you do the thing, but you made it back. I wrapped my outside pipes and threw some logs in the fireplace and sat my butt down. Speaking of pipes, though, serious situation here in the city with people not quite making it through. Seattle Fire said they responded to more than 150 burst pipes just Monday alone. The water was flooding the baggage claim at SeaTac Airport Monday. Wow. Following all of this, there are frost heaves on sports fields all over the city. Maybe we can start a mogul soccer league. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like ankle sprained ankle territory. (laughs) I thought it it was funny that Seattle Times had to do a whole piece on what a frost heave is. I've never heard of it. I've never heard of it before. Yeah, this is an East Coast thing, the freeze-thaw, freeze-thaw. You know, I just it happens to the roads, even. I don't know. Here's the thing. Okay, I'm so I'm from Western Washington. I grew up in snow. That's why I love it. But it is a whole different thing over here. It is way more humid. Things turn to ice yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, That's why Snoqualmie Pass and Stevens Pass are so bad. And I also think, you know, we're just not really prepared and our homes might not be as prepared as colder climates for this kind of thing to happen. So it was disastrous. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly a reminder of the stakes involved for the population of people who are homeless or struggling financially right now. You know, we're talking about our privilege The other side of this is five people died as a result of the cold, according to the King County Medical Examiner. You know, one of those people was living in their car. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I think anybody who listens to this show knows I listen to the police scanner a lot during my downtime. I just it's the way I interact with the city often. And I was hearing those calls 
for, wow. you know, people walking around. Uh, a guy was walking around with no shirt on. And I that, <sighs> to me, when I heard that, is a okay. stage of hypothermia where you start to get hot yeah. and you start to pull your clothes yeah. off, right? Like that's the mm-hmm. that's an early sign of hypothermia is... I do see this as a, a community failure that we have at least five deaths that we know of. And two of them were in their residences. Yeah. I don't know the situation there. Um, but that is a very, very dire straits when we're when this is happening in our community and, and is also happening in Portland. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right on page. Like it is a community failure, you know with the deaths especially, but the fact that we have so many unhoused people in a city that has so much money, and at least as far as the quote-unquote post-pandemic world, there's just a lot of empty spaces that with, you know, climate change and, you know, we should be expecting that, especially in this region, that super cold temperatures is not just something that Seattleites can go to for recreation, but it's coming to Mm -hmm. us. And we have just Mm -hmm. been so ill-equipped across the spectrum to manage that in the city. You know, I had a friend who texted me a photo of the frame of the inside of the door and the frame was crusted with ice. Oh, And so I'm like, wow, there must be some leak somewhere that is now making itself apparent because of the freezing temperatures. And so to see frost inside of a space that should be warm you know, people who are outside, they are just dealing with the very worst of this without many options. And this is something that we knew was coming. So I don't know, I would love to see Seattle really get serious about what this planning looks like, that people should not be living outside or in their cars, no matter what the temperature is. And it's 38 degrees and raining today, which isn't much better than the sub exactly. freezing temperatures we were dealing with. Yeah. Cold you and can wet get is a recipe in yes. this. Yeah. Cold and wet is a recipe for hypothermia. Always. Always. Uh, yep. Cotton yeah. kills. That's what people Cotton know, kills. Cotton yeah. kills. You know, it's terrible. Anyway. Gotta wear wool. The city needs to do better for the people who are the most vulnerable. Well, you may have had to wait in the cold this past week if you missed the light rail, which is the second big story in the city this week. Light rail, in case you haven't been standing on the platform for extra minutes, is experiencing major delays this week and for the next few weeks. We talked to Seattle Times Transit reporter Mike Lindblom on the show this week. He detailed the repairs that are causing the light rail delays until February. It was supposed to result in about 26 minutes between trains in the downtown area on weekdays. No service downtown on the weekends. But just a few days in, we are learning. (laughs) This is playing out a lot more slowly. Mike's reporting now that some trains are taking 35 minutes to arrive. Nightmare for people who live on Capitol Hill who are waiting around or figuring out alternative routes. Paige, I know that you're a light rail traveler. This sounds like it's hitting you because you're in the South End, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I'm in the South End. I, I start at the Columbia City Station. It, I've I've had every light rail experience this week. I've hit it right on time. I've had a 30-minute wait, and it's not warm outside, you know, 30-minute wait at 30 degrees. 
Um, I had the experience of getting on one thinking, okay, this is the one that's going to get me all the way home from the U district. Yeah, and yeah. then it was actually the one that just took me one stop further. Aww. And then we had to get off and they're like, another one's coming in 15 to 20 minutes. Lies. And then the crowds, the crowds <laughs> just keep growing. So these are super full light rail trains. Um, so I had like a leapfrog route yesterday. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's... It's not great. It's not great, especially when it's super cold out. The one, really the one beef I have with this is that I am a fairly educated news person, Mm. educated on the news, and I cannot figure it out. Mm -hmm. And there's not signage at the stations. You're just like winging it. Yeah, the signs lie. That's the first thing you have to realize. The signs are lying to you. If it says 15 minutes, (laughs) it's a lie. I just missed a train uh, the other day, and oh, so I bolted onto a train that I thought would go because it was pretty packed, and we ended up sitting in that train for 15 minutes no. waiting to go. And and this was the day I forgot my mask, no. and I was just yeah. dying the whole time. I have my scarf up, and my panic is rising because I know that <laughs> scarf isn't doing anything. It's yeah. not doing anything that God. will blend nothing. Listen, I was, I've said this so many times and I'll say it again. Seattle, you know, big city dreams, small city <laughs> oh. infrastructure. Yes. You know, there's not like you can just hop on another train when this one goes down. So that's no. pretty. This is the problem with having tough. a one line. Yeah. Right? This is the one line. It's the one line. Right. <laughs> I, I. I'm reminded of something I think I heard on this show once about, you know, the fact that we even are complaining that so many people are complaining about this is sort of an opportunity because that means so many people are actually riding light rail, are avoiding car travel, are wanting it to be better. So maybe there's like a slight upside that there's so much anger over the delays. I don't know. Mike Lindblom says the riders are resilient. So maybe we're not complaining enough. Or maybe we're just Ah. so ding-dang grateful to have the stupid one line after all these years. Yeah. (laughs) I will say this. Keep making more demands. Keep speaking up. Like Mm. that is how you engage as a public. Um, I will say as someone who's not, who is a car commuter, that, you know, when we talk about increasing ridership, if you want to convert car people to light rail, it has to be good, right? It has to be convenient. It has to be the easier mm-hmm. option. And so what I do hope is that, you know, the folks take these complaints seriously because I'm listening to this now. I'm like, ooh, you're not going to catch me on a light rail. <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, and Sound Transit is trying to, you know, get people to pay full fare all the time. They're trying to get yeah. more riders. They got to pay for this thing and riders pay for this thing. So. Mm-hmm. And then there's the elevator outages. Oh. Like I take this. I take this massive. I'm never going to get Jody Ann on a train. Uh, yeah, it's not I happening. This massive trip the other day. And then I get to the U District station and the elevator's out. So you have to hike four stairs to get. Four, you know, four flights of stairs. That's right. After my long, probably infectious light rail ride the other day, (laughs) I got off and the escalator's broken. You know, the fit coach you never asked for. Yeah. That's the light rail system in in Seattle. I think that's a really, really important point, too, because um, for about three or four months, 
a couple years ago, right after my surgery, I couldn't drive. And so I was on public transit constantly because I also couldn't afford to just Uber everywhere. And so I'm going to doctor's appointments. Like that's primarily what I was using the transit for. And I was going to appointments almost every day. And so to have a physical disability and the physical toll of commuting, in addition to when stations are not accessible, it was mm-hmm. it was honestly so taxing. And so I'm spending two hours just to get to a physical therapy appointment. I already did the physical therapy just trying to get here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and Jody Ann, you're talking about like a, a period of your life, right? Yeah. I see people ride the light rail all the time who are differently abled, who need mm-hmm. those elevators to work. They exactly. need them mm-hmm. to work. Exactly. I I need a PSA moment here also because um, the light rail trains are very full right now because they're not as frequent. And I am begging people to please let your neighbors onto the train. It's like people are so slowly filing on and they stop at the door and... It's like, I think we're full. The train is not full. Take You're not going to let this person wait another the 30 minutes. Make, make some space. Do not put people through this. It's already hard enough. Take Listen, just spend backpack. a day. In a, I always try to, I try, I'm trying not to bring up New York, but it's too late. It's, it's already happening. But listen, <laughs> back in my subway days, the train is never full, baby. There is, That's always, right. exactly. there is always room. That's right. Squeeze in. Get in there. All right, we're leaving it there. Paige Browning is a reporter and anchor here at KUOW. Jody Ambury is author, speaker, and our fantastic guest next Friday at our Future of Work event. We're going to drop a link for that in the show notes. Really appreciate you two. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Seattle Now. We can only make this show with your support. So extra special thanks if you've donated to KUOW. Today's episode was produced by Vaughn Jones. Happy birthday, Vaughn. Our wonderful production team also includes Caroline Chamberlain Gomez, Claire McGrain, and Jenny Cecil Moore. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you Monday. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network.